We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. You are what you see. You are what you see. So, Father, we thank you that your word comes with accuracy and with power. It comes laced with the movement of the Holy Spirit to bring about the desired results in maturity, discipleship, encouragement, admonition, and comfort and instruction to your people that they are rooted and grounded in your love and raised in the works of righteousness. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. You are what you see. I, uh, sight, let me start with this. Sight is the ability or the ability to see is one of the most important senses in your life. I'm sure you'll agree with me. I mean, if you, if you, if you without sight, man, man, you know, that sucks, doesn't it? I mean, sight is, is very important. The ability to see is, is a very crucial, crucial ability in life. And, and I, I put a few things down that I'd like to quickly run with you. Um, uh, if the, for those of you that are part of our local church, you know that I teach a lot with illustrations. I teach a lot with graphic uh, images. The Lord shows me things um, physically because I, I got to realize, and I'll come to that in a moment as I teach, that nothing in the physical exists in and of itself. And therefore, nothing in the physical is an end in itself. Actually, it turns out that everything in the physical is just a mundane typology, mundane, temporal, fleeting mirage of a much more real reality, of a stronger reality. But it turns out that what is around the physical, and I'm sure you guys are wondering how I'm touching my face as much as I'm touching my face. Because I told me, I told my church, I said, listen, me, three few nights ago, I was praying and I told God, I'm like, God, because of these assignments you called me to do, you know that I touch my face a lot. I wipe my face, I touch my glasses. I cannot teach, really, without an interface between my hand and my face. So by the time you now tell me that in order to stay alive, my hand and my face have to keep malice with each other, like my hand will say, my hand of the same body will now say to my face of the same body, stay away from me. So not only am I practicing social distancing from other human beings, my own body, is practicing anatomical distancing. Do you understand? Biological distancing, such that my hand has to constantly stay away from my face. And then my face will see my hand coming and my face will scream. No, 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 no. Don't come near me. Listen, I, I'm a very visual person. You see, no, I just touch my face. Because my glasses, you know, do you understand? My glasses will be coming down. And so I say, Lord, I, I was praying out loud though in my bedroom. I say, Lord, eh, see, eh? Hmm. If you don't is to save somebody, then I'm finished. Because I me, mean, I'm going to die. Because there's no way that I could practically, successfully refrain myself on human terms from whatever the pandemic is that's going around. Because I would touch my face. I mean, God, you, I'm just telling you now that you know me and my, my hand and my face go together. They will touch themselves at one point or the other. So me... I have no choice. I have no other choice but to trust you. You know that song, Ty Tribute? It's all I can do. You know, I have no other choice but to believe. That's where I am. Because, men, if you're not, it's either you are able to keep me or you are able to keep me. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because, because me, I cannot keep me. I cannot keep me. I cannot keep me. Um, um, so, so, yeah, you know. That's, that's just for free, you know. So I, I teach a lot with, with graphic images. I teach, um, the Lord shows me pictures and then I'm able to, by his spirit, trans, translate that picture and bring out the spiritual reality that supersedes that physical reality. So I'll be talking a lot tonight in the, as I introduced this teaching, you're what you see, on, on the human anatomy, how, how this relates to the body, the physical body of a person and how that translates to the truth that I'd like, I believe the Holy Spirit would like us to, to see tonight. So here's how 
the uh, human anatomy works and human anatomy is a study of the science of the human body right or, the, or or your human body it works by the eyes work by processing the light from the object that it's viewing so when you're viewing something how the sight works is that the light um, from the object bounces back or is reflected to your eyes to your iris and then those signals are sent in three primary colors because it turns out, I found out, that the human eye actually processes, and I'm going ahead of myself now, actually processes, and this, is, this will interest you guys behind cameras and, and Maya out there, the, the human eye actually processes um, um, colors in just three. RGB. This is red, green, and blue. And now there's something that he calls um, cones in the eyes. There's millions of them that take the signals and they meet, um, they meet uh, a protein in the eye called opsins. So when photons of light, from which you get photo, photons of light collect the information from what the eye is watching or looking at, that thing reflects light. That's why it, the, 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 the eye can only see something that is lit. Does that make sense? So that's why the eye struggles to see in the dark. So what happens is the reason why you cannot see something in the dark is because there's no light enough to illuminate the object that you intend or need to see enough for that object's light to be reflected. It's the same way a camera works yeah. to your eyes. So actually what the eyes see is light reflected from its object. Now, when the light bounces into the eyes, it's tra transferred by a, a couple of nerves or whatever, and then these photons pick them and transmit them to uh, another element of the eyes called, uh, what are they called now? Opsins. Yeah, I believe. They're called opsins. And what the opsins then do is there are, there's a bunch of them that see in red. The, more, the, the majority of the, of the, of, of the opsins process red, and then I think just a third or less process green, and only a small fraction processes blue. They collect these three and then send them to the brain. And now what the brain now does is it has this ability to computate the different options that are supplying three colors to the brain and amplify them out in many million different shades of color. This means, I, I didn't write this here, but this means that there's actually no color called purple, botanically, um, biologically speaking, anatomically speaking. The eye doesn't see purple. The eye doesn't see turquoise. The eye doesn't see maroon. The eye doesn't see lemon. What are the other colors? Peach, um, burgundy. Uh, what are the other colors? Talk to me, Yellow. guys. Beige. Yellow, beige. And the eye doesn't see all of them colors. The eye receives information from three primary colors, from the photons that feed the opsins, and gets to the brain. And the brain now interprets the signals it receives to be commensurate with the object that you're supposed to be viewing. So here's what it is. Technically speaking, what you see is not what you see. So when I see, what color is this? Uh, let's use orange, burnt orange. You know this? <laughs> this, is this was this girl on, on um, what's her name? On Instagram. Oh, the little girl in America that does, does comedy stuff. Zoe, yeah, she did one, one, one comedy about colors, cockroach brown, you know, nepa black, <laughs> and um, uh, amala brown or something, and um, some wonderful colors that she, 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 she called. Um, so, <laughs> so let's use burnt orange. It turns out that your eye is not seeing burnt orange. Your eye is seeing this burnt orange in one of three colors red green and blue what informs this color or informs the purple i believe that i'm wearing 
is the photons feeding the opsins, opsins getting three colors in different percentages to the brain. And then your brain processes that in the relevant or commensurate shade that it believes that color is, and then your brain feeds it to you. And the end result of what your brain has given you is burnt orange. You did not see burnt orange. You saw different shades of red, green, or blue. Most animals see two-dimensionally. Most animals see yellow uh, and red, or something like that. Red, red and green, red and green. Most animals see red and green. You see three-dimensionally. But when you, your brain receives that, so guess what is actually seeing what your eyes are seeing? Your brain. So your real organ of sight is not these two guys mounted on the front of your head. Your real organ of sight is your brain. Because what you say you see is not what you saw. What you say you see is the end result of the processing of what you saw. I don't know if you're following me. I'm, I'm not going to rush this. I'll repeat. What you saw Purple is not what you saw. What you saw and can now identify as purple and therefore you can now replicate and get, think about it. Now I'm thinking about it. How do you replicate purple? You replicate purple by playing with different shades of the same three colors. Yes. Red, green, and blue. Red and yellow. Red and green will give you yellow or amber. Red and blue will give you purple. Different shades, different computations or permutations of, of these three primary colors are what gives you. So we're able to create purple because our brain has taught us the different combinations of red, green, and blue that make for the color purple. I, let me add, for emphasis, the non-existent color purple. Well, purple is a real color today. Brown is a real color today. Burnt orange is a real color today because your brain, which is the central processing unit of your body, processed all the optics that were given to it in the light of three colors in different percentages. And now your brain then informed you that what you're looking at is a phone. You're not looking at a phone. It is a phone because your brain has processed what you have seen and told you it's a phone. The phone is blue, not because you saw blue, but because your brain has processed what you saw and told you that what you are seeing is blue. So you are giving your eyes, it turns out, more credit than they actually deserve. The credit for your sight goes or should go to your brain. And I'm by no means any scientist. I went to night school. I don't know these things very, 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 very well. But it's, it's the credit for your sight should be given to your brain. Because it's your brain that interprets. Because whatever your eyes capture, even in the natural, is not what your eyes have seen. What you think you see is the processing by the brain of what your sight, what your eyes captured. So I saw something. But between when I saw something and when I say what I saw, my brain has acted on what I really saw, processed it, edited it, photoshopped it, cropped it, airbrushed it, color graded it in that split second and informed me what I saw. So nothing I see is independent of the processing of my brain. Nothing. Nothing you see is independent of the processing of your brain. Nothing. Everything you see has been acted upon by a force. Everything you see has been influenced by a power. Everything you see has been colored by the information contained in the database of your central processing unit, otherwise called your medulla oblongata, also known as your brain. And so I began to think and I came to understand that. Ah, it makes a lot of sense though. 
your heart is what keeps you alive, isn't it? Your heart is what pumps blood to your arteries and veins yeah. and all of that and different organs of the body and all of that. Your lungs is what helps you to breathe. It, pump, it exhales and inhales. You know, your kidney uh, uh, processes waste and all of that. Your liver is your cleanser, you know, and all that. Your respiratory system and all of that stuff and your rectum handles the, the feces and, and your bladder handles the the, the urine and, and your body pores handle the perspiration and all of that stuff. But, but I, I came to realize that there have been lung transplants, successful, there have been kidney transplants, you know, from dialysis, there's been liver transplants, there's been, you know, leg, there's been tissue transplants, there's been kneecap replacement surgeries, there've been heart transplants, put you on an external thing to beat and then transplant the heart, transplant the heart. There've been eye transplants. And I came to realize that there has never been a brain transplant. Because that's the, that's the workhorse, that's the CPU, that's the processing unit of the human body. Once you remove the brain, you have fried every information by which the body can process whatever it is it thinks it is processing. There's no substitute for brain damage. Once the brain packs up, your heart can beat all it tries to beat all it wants. Your eyes can try to see as hard as they want. Whatever it is, your liver, your kidney can try. They will not be able to sustain themselves because what processes, what informs them. But I'm, I'm, let me stay on site because I'm focused on sight tonight. I'm teaching on you what you see. So let me leave the other elements of the body and focus on eyes. If your brain is gone, no matter how much 2020 vision you have, is absolutely useless. So the brain is the fulcrum of, of functionality of the human body. Without the human body, at, without the brain, I beg your pardon, the human body is at worst useless, at best ineffective. Now why have I taken time to discuss all these things like I'm one science teacher? I don't think I'm even doing a very good job of teaching you science. <laughs> I was my own, I'm a preacher. Um, but I said, when I started talking, that everything that exists physically exists to outplay a greater reality, a deeper reality. The reality which is not visible, but the reality which you would have struggled to grasp in the absence of a tangible physical reality. So the reason why we have eyes is why we can create cameras because the exact optics in the human eye is how the optics of a camera operates. So we can relate to the church, for instance, as being the body of Christ. <laughs> when we say body of Christ, and Paul begins to explain how the hand cannot say to the ear, why are you doing this, right? And Paul begins to talk about vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor and how you pay more attention to the parts of your body that you are hiding and, and less. Why can you understand those analogies? Two reasons. One, you know a human body. Two, you are a human body. So Paul is saying the hand cannot say. He's not saying that literally I mean, about the body of Christ because the body of Christ is not a literal, as it were, body. But because you have a physical body, and then when Paul says the hand, like what I was telling you now earlier about my hand and my face. So when Paul says the hand cannot say to the eye, I am not doing, instantly it makes sense to you because you know what I is. First Corinthians 12, 21, and you know what hand is. Does that make sense? So it turns out, beyond being created in God's image and his likeness and all of that, everything God created was for one purpose, the propagation of the gospel. Everything God created was such that it will facilitate your ability to appreciate him even when you cannot see. So that when he starts to talk about, he foresaw that at some point he would talk about the church as his body. So he creates you and gives you a body. You know, because God formed man from the dust of the ground and then breathed into man. I'll come to that in a bit and man becomes a living soul. There are many other examples. A physical body exists to feed the realization of the intangible reality without which you will not have been able to understand that intangible reality. I repeat, a physical body, your physical body exists 
to feed the realization of the intangible reality for which this your tangible reality exists as a type. So your human body exists to show you or to teach you to appreciate the real body of Christ that you cannot physically see. But you know that the real body has a hand. And from your understanding of what a hand does, you can identify what a hand in the body of Christ does. I'll give you a few more examples. Marriage, Ephesians 5. I've said over and over that I don't like attending weddings because you'll pick Ephesians 5. And you say, husbands, love your wives. Don't slap her. Don't beat her. Wives, submit to your husbands. And whenever he wants to cook, cook for him. If that's all you preach, when you read Ephesians 5, you have missed it. Because in the end of that chapter, in verse 38, I believe it is. It's not 38, it's 32. From, from 31, Paul says, I, this is a great mystery, but I speak. Okay, so let's go from 31. From 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. For this reason. And be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 32. Paul says this. What is this? For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and join to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. This marriage, basically, right? This 32 is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Hello, back up to verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Mm -hmm. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also the Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, 24, just as Christ, the church is subject to Christ. So let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning what? A man and a woman? No, I speak concerning Christ and the church. So guess what? The whole concept of marriage was just to be able to teach the believer how to appreciate the relationship that God intends for her, the church, to have with Christ. And that God intends for Christ, the son, to have with the church. So we can understand and begin to aspire towards our part in that relationship because there is a physical relationship that has been, has been put into place that as we interface with that, it should make our spiritual reality clearer. Therefore, it is a travesty to enjoy marriage, to preach marriage, to propagate marriage, to counsel on marriage without seeing and displaying Christ. Christ is the reason for marriage. That we get to understand our relationship with Christ is why marriage was put in existence. Therefore, any marriage that exists in the absence of the typology of Christ and the church is false. It's dysfunctional. If a husband will not love his wife as Christ loved the church, then the purpose of marriage is defeated. If a wife will not submit to her husband as the church is to submit to Christ, then the purpose for marriage is defeated. No matter what you enjoy in the marriage, even if it is a peaceful one, it's defeated. Because it's a type, it's a tangible type of an intangible reality. Does that make sense? Look at this other example, the church as a flock or the church as sheep. Shea is because you have seen sheep and how the sheep sheepishly follow the shepherd that you can appreciate when it says, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. The voice of a stranger, they will not follow. 
There's so many examples. The Holy Spirit, as I, I mentioned earlier, as wine, as water, types and shadows that lead to the substance so that when the substance is here, according to Colossians 2, you no longer need the types and shadows. And so many other examples. The Lord's Supper as bread and wine, you know, bread and wine, typifying his, his body and his blood, right? His flesh and his blood. The guys didn't understand it in John 6. That's why they asked him. He said, ah, ah. So now you're not telling us that in order for us to partake of you, we must now eat of your, your body and drink your blood. Ah, ah, now. Cannibals. Cannibals. Did he understand that he was using tangibility to reveal to them intangibility that is more tangible than the physical tangibility? So every tangible reality exists for a reality bigger than it. Every tangible reality exists for a reality that is bigger than that seemingly tangible reality that exists. And I've taught my guys this over and over in a local church. That the spiritual reality that you have refused to come to terms with is more real than this thing you are touching. The realm of the supernatural is more real than your body that you can pinch and go, ouch, is realer. In fact, that realm is why this realm exists. So that by understanding and mastering this realm, you can appreciate, excuse me, and harness that realm. Every tangible reality exists to point us to a deeper reality that cannot be grasped in the absence of that tangible reality. Every tangible reality exists to point us to a deeper reality that cannot be grasped in the absence of that tangible reality. Now, having said all this, let's come back to where I started. Human anatomy and optics, Shebi, red, green, blue, uh, pro photons, opsins, R, G, and B, all processed by the brain, which is the central processing unit of the brain, and such that what you see is not what you see. What you see has actually been, is what you see is the outcome or the finished product of what has been acted upon, what has been processed by all the processing power that exists in the brain based on the information that is contained in the database of your brain. So what you see is the, what you say you see, what you think you see is the end result of what you saw. What you see in the natural is not what you saw. What you see in the natural is the end result of what you saw after that it has been processed by the brain. The brain processes the optical information sent by the eyes, right? In the light of its true capacity, in the light of the capacity of the brain, in the light of the reality of the brain. And then the brain funds, you know what it means to say, fund my trip. It means the, the, the person sponsored or supplied the means for you to travel. So the brain, having processed what you saw initially, your brain now funds your knowledge with the outcome. Your brain says, you saw A as A. I have processed it a million different ways and the end result is burnt orange and then your brain supplies to your senses burnt orange as the outcome. So what you see, what you go around saying I see is nothing but the outcome of what you saw. It therefore means that what you saw in itself doesn't have much integrity because what you saw and that's why sometimes we struggle to accept the beauty of sight because we think that what we see is actually what we saw. You know, what you see, what you say, you see. Oh, I see this. Your research is nice. Your skin is so fair. All of those are the outcome of what you originally saw that you would never even appreciate how off tangent it was. It's like snapping a, 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 a photo, a series of photos with a... With a camera that has a film. 
three millimeter or whatever film that it was and then you take it out and you take it to a dark, uh, to a, a, a photo lab and they bring out what they call a negative you hold up a negative and there's nothing until that negative is washed in the dark room chemicals act upon it is processed and then it comes out on paper film as the color that you actually snapped but in negative form it's nothing it's inverted grayscaled almost and so what actually you see in real life is akin is similar to a negative but between when you saw it and when you know what you saw it has been processed, it's been washed, it's been acted upon, it's been processed, it's been edited. And by the time you're saying, I saw Sean, I saw a yellow shirt, I saw that color. By the time you're seeing that, what you're saying you saw, is not what you saw. What you're saying you saw is the outcome of what you originally saw after it has been processed. So who does all the processing? Your brain. Your brain funds you with the outcome. What you see is the end result. Now, begin to understand how that your physical sight, as I've explained, even as brilliantly processed by your brain, is only a shadow of your real sight. Let's begin to bring this home. I said you are what you see. So the question now becomes, which, which sight are you working with? And who is the CPU processing your sight? Because what is processing your sight is what determines the outcome. Of what you see God is spirit John 4 24 right start actually, the verse actually starts with that God is spirit we we, we, we saw Second Corinthians 3 earlier I think 17 the Lord is the spirit John 4 24 God is spirit it doesn't say God is a spirit God is spirit reveals the nature the essence of God God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in his nature, in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. Revelation 1.4. Hey, hey, Jesus. Revelation 1.4. There's nobody to chase home. Everybody's home. <laughs> Revelation 1.4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Revelation 3.1. Revelation 3.1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God. Who was the angel talking of? To John, Jesus, because Revelation 1 and 1 says the revelation of Jesus Christ. So 3 and 1, it says, to the angel, in, uh, start again from, and to the angel of the church inside is right. Thus, this thing says he, Jesus, who has, Jesus has, the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. <laughs> revelation 4 5. Somebody has never said this before. I'll talk about this another day. Revelation 4, 5. And from the throne proceeded lightings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Seven lamps burning before the throne. So some, of, some people interpret it literally. Others interpret it symbolically or metaphorically, which is the, way that, this is the correct way to interpret Revelation. Okay, but this is not... A, a, a teaching on eschatology by any by any any shape or form. Um, so that was four and five. Look at five and six. Revelation five and six. Revelation five verse six. This is the fourth fourth inference of seven spirits. And I looked and behold, in the middle of the throne, and of the four living creatures. So in the middle of the throne and in the middle of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood the Lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of god sent out into all the earth now and look at isaiah 11 2 and 3 seven spirits of god some of you are already getting this but trust me just let me land wait for me i'm coming 11 and 2 of isaiah the spirit of the lord shall rest upon him that's one so count the mention of the word spirit. Yeah. 
the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. How many? Seven. So if you want to see the spirit of God as one spirit with seven dimensions, some people interpret it this way in the light of Isaiah, or seven distinct spirits of God, which will be difficult to corroborate with other elements of scripture, um, or what are seven branches, you know, or parishes of the spirit of God, <laughs> depending on how you interpret it. And today that's not what I'm going to deal with. But God, Shah, is spirit. Mm -hmm. He is spirit. God made man, Genesis 1. God formed man, Genesis 2. God breathed spirit or breath, ruach, into the man, and man became a living soul, a flesh. So, who is the life of man? God. The spirit of, of God is the life of man. So the man that was formed was nothing. He laid down there lifeless and without any, 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 any life because God was not in him. So God in man is the life of man. I'm going somewhere. If, this, if man was useless without the spirit of God, then what really is the brain of man? His physical brain? If his physical brain is supposed to be his primary central processing unit, how come when God finished forming man, man didn't just get up and start to function? Because that's how robots work, artificial intelligence. Yeah. You build them, you pack something into a circuit that contains all the information the robot needs, needs to process information it receives in order to generate its responses. And once you switch on a button, off the robot goes. But if, if the brain is so powerful, like I've explained earlier, that it processes all, everything you see physically is processed by your brain. There's nothing that you see that has not been acted upon by your brain. And you trust your brain so much to believe that when your brain tells you this thing is white, you believe it's white. When your brain tells you there's no light, you believe there's no light. Not because there's no light, but because your brain has processed what you showed it or what you did not show it. So it's not you that's determining what you see, sir. It's your brain that is informing you, determines what you see, how you see it. And with our physical eyes, we trust our physical eyes so much. We trust our brain so much to process us. And we believe that this, this thing is this thing, that thing is that thing, that thing is that thing. But your brain itself... What is the brain of your brain? Because if your brain is all there is to sight, how come when you are fully loaded, plus your brain inside, the man could not get up and start to function? Man still needed a greater force to activate his human CPU. Man needed a greater force to supply data. brigada. <laughs> To a human being that was fully loaded and had a brain that outside the spirit of God was useless. It's no difference between that and you today being alive and having a fully functional brain that leads you against the reality of the spirit of God. Because your brain should be subject to data from the spirit of God. Your brain... Uh, God. So who is your brain really? Your brain or the spirit? Because the spirit of God is the essence of God. The spirit of God is the creative element of God. The spirit of God is the database, is the processing unit of the Godhead. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and what? Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of the Lord hovered over the surface of the waters. It was the presence of the Spirit of God over the surface of the waters at creation that ignited or catalyzed the word Jesus when God said. So when God said, 1-3, the saying of God was Jesus, the word. Because John 1-1 in the beginning was the word. All things were made by 
The word. Without him, the word was nothing made that was made. How do we see the word at work in Genesis 1? Each time God said what God released was Jesus the Son. What was the energy by which Jesus the Son operated? The Holy Spirit hovering on the surface of the waters. And so you see why Acts begins in Luke, in Acts, Luke begins to tell Theophilus how God the Father anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with what? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit and power. Same difference. Same difference. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no Godhead. How was Jesus born? My, I, I, I will talk about the mission of the Holy Spirit someday. But when, when Gabriel came and spoke to Mary and said, you shall have a child, blah, 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 blah. She now asked him, didn't she ask him? She said, she said, how shall these things be? What did Gabriel answer her? The power of the Most High of the high shall overshadow you. The spirit of God shall come upon you. So how was Jesus conceived? By the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How was he raised? Romans 8. If the spirit of him that raised up Christ, oh, dwells in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead shall give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Romans 8, 11. So how does God give life to your mortal body? Spirit. How does God save you? Spirit. How does God preserve you? How does God sustain you? By his spirit. How, how has God sealed you? By his spirit. With his spirit. How has God guaranteed to you that you cannot be lost? By depositing his spirit. The spirit of God is the processing unit of the Godhead. And God is spirit. He, he is essentially the brain of God. The spirit of God is the brain of God. Is a spring of everything that God is and everything that God does. Everything. So for the believer in Christ Jesus, the spirit of God is the feeder station. See, you know feeder station. Light can travel from Kanjidam and get to southeast, south-south. It cannot arrive straight in your house. It cannot arrive straight from the source to the transformer in your area. It has to arrive at a feeder station that processes the power and then grids it out yeah. as it ought to go. So the feeder station for the believer is the Holy Spirit. Yes. That is your real brain that your physical brain was given to you to help you appreciate. Yes. The brain that you have and can see and can trust is given to you for you to be able to come into the realization of the real brain you're supposed to function by. God did not design you. In other words, you cannot come into your optimum best in God. You cannot see Christ by your brain, by your physical brain. Because Christ cannot be seen in RGB. In another study, I'll explain, I'll explain the ministry of the Holy Spirit properly. But today we're looking at sight. So to see clearly, you must switch lenses. You must change what you're seeing. You must change how you're seeing. You know why? Because to believe in your physical sight at the expense of your real sight in this season is to sabotage your sonship and dominion in the earth. Life will make a mess of you, beloved, if you don't learn how to stop seeing and to start seeing. We trust our brains way too much, but you see, the things of the spirit cannot be processed by the brain. And the things of the spirit are the reality of the believer. Because the Spirit of God is the feeder station of the believer. That's why the Spirit of God, Romans 8, bears witness with your what? With your spirit that you are a child of God. Because spirit is who you are. Spirit is who you are. A body is just what contains you. So your brain and your body are, are minute, disposable elements of your reality. But you see, we spend time feeding on and trusting the, the, the tangible elements, not realizing that the tangible elements are the mundane elements. The tangible elements are given to us so that we can appreciate that which is intangible. In this season of your life, in this season of life all across the world, it is important what we see. It is important that what is processing what we see because we are wired to respond to what we see. How do you desire something? Mostly by sight. You see the bole. Ah, man, bole. You now start to see all shades and shapes and sizes of bole. The one in UCTH, the one in Marian, the one in First Bank. You begin to, all of a sudden, all the bole and fish comes alive 
in your life. Can you see my camera guys? Oh, they're salivating and lifting their hands as if they're worshiping God and say, Father, thank you for Bole that I cannot see. <laughs> but nothing quickens desire like yeah. sight. Nothing activates your, your anticipation like what you see. Nothing. When you see it, because once you see that one thing, that one thing opens up the one million other ways that you yes, can sir. have that thing. Yes, sir. And this season is important. What is processing our sight? Jesus simplifies the job of our sight for us, emphasizing all through scriptures that to see at all, if you must see, all you are supposed to see, if your sight is being processed well, in other words, your spiritual brain, which is the real brain that you operate by or that you are supposed to operate by, which you might find difficult to appreciate if you did not understand the concept of a human brain. So the concept of the human brain, which I've taken time to explain to you in a little bit of layman's terms, is to enable you to appreciate the inner workings, the deeper workings, the more tangible workings of the intangibility of the feeder station of God, the creative genius of God, the spirit of God. So if you're not tuned to that brain, everything you see on earth, no matter how real, is a lie. And so you will see pandemics. You will see medical reports. You will see diagnosis and prognosis. You will see bills piling up on the table. And all of those things are not what you actually are supposed to see because those things are not real. If you're seeing well, your, your, your proper sight is dependent, is contingent on the processing you need that is processing your sight. To not see Jesus is to be blind with 2020 vision. You know what it means to be blind with 2020 vision? To, to have good physical sight, sound sight, better than mine. And yet you are blind because you can't see Christ. To read the scriptures and not see Jesus is to read a storybook. And a lot of preachers today are preaching storybooks. Preaching the moral of the story is. And that's why when Jesus opened the eyes of those guys in Luke chapter 24, the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, he began to expound to them the things in scripture written concerning him. Because Jesus is the message of the scriptures. He's not a message. He is the message. Every single thing written is about him. Points to him. Of course, so it's containing the book. And, and even though even you're reading genealogies and reading all the mundane things, so they appear, they point to him. Jesus tells them in John 5, I believe he says, on that day is Moses that will condemn you, not me, referring to the law. He says, because if you didn't believe Moses, no wonder you can't believe me because Moses wrote of me. Now, can you imagine that? Genesis, creation, Genesis 1 was about Jesus. Genesis 2, Jesus. Cain and Abel, Genesis 3. Jesus. Going up to Noah, five, six, up into seven, Jesus. Getting up to Abraham in Genesis 12, Jesus. Right through to Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, Genesis 37, 38, 39, Jesus. Enter Exodus 1, the killings and everything of the firstborn. Moses running away in Exodus 3, Jesus. The basket that was woven and the baby put in there, Jesus. Babies two years and younger who were being killed in Egypt to get to Moses. Jesus. I could go on. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This, Moses wrote of me. So to not see Jesus is to not see. You are blind if you don't see Jesus. Even for the believer. So there can be blind believers. Believers who are believing and praying in tongues and are not seeing. Because they are incapacitated. They are handicapped. They are disadvantaged. They're ineffective because they cannot see Jesus. Once you can see with your real eyes, you begin to understand from your CPU. Remember where we're coming from now? Mm. Your spiritual photons, photons begin to feed spiritual options. And they be, those options are now feeding reality to your central processing unit, the real one. And then, oh my Lord Jesus. So your physical eyes will see a virus and it will send it into your processing unit. But before you can open your mouth and say virus, your process unit has been reversed and has told you health. That's when you start to see. You must allow your real CPU to take charge over your human CPU.
You must allow your real processing unit, your real feeder station. So when you start to see from now, you are diverting the signal to the actual place that the processing should be coming from. Your human brain should not process what you see in the absence of your real brain, the Spirit of God at work in a man. Because once you start to see with your real eyes, you start to understand that God is in control of events, oh, not the enemy. God is not trying to play catch up to Satan. I, I listened to somebody say that these things, of the happenstances of the earth now has forced God, God's hand, forced God to act. I'm like, no, 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 God forbid. So God is not doing react, reactionary measure, response measures to the devil. No. God is not playing catch up to Satan. If you think that way, then you ought to change how you are seeing and what you are allowing to process what you're seeing. This season is working for the advantage of the believer. You just have to change how you're seeing. Change the feeder station that is processing your sight. You are blind as a believer if you can't see Jesus. Everything else you see is a lie. Everything you see will be wrong. Everything your brain outputs in this season will be wrong in the absence of sight of Christ. Look at Matthew 14. Matthew 14, 22 to 31 is a bit of a read. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into, you will love this, into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Keep going. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. It was tossed by the waves because the wind was contrary. The wind was contrary is referring to the information that the human brain had given Matthew or had given the situation. In other words, looking at it from the perspective of the human element, man, the boat was being battered by the waves because the wind was blowing contrary to... In other words, if, if you're in a boat um, that, that is propelled by a sail, then it's important that the wind should be blowing in the direction that you're going. So when the wind is contrary, it means that you were, they were going east to west and the wind was blowing west to east or north to south or southeast to northwest or something. The wind was contrary. That was a human prognosis. Keep going. 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. See 26. And when the disciples saw him walking, so they saw, they saw him walking. But here the processing of what they saw. The next line says, they were troubled saying it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Why were they troubled? Why did they cry for fear? Because they saw Jesus, but their brain processed it wrongly and made them troubled. And then capitalized on their existing superstition. Because for you to call Jesus or anything a ghost, it means that somehow in your heart you have believed or at least nursed the idea that there's a possibility that ghosts exist and they can haunt people. So unfortunately, sir, our Jesus disciples were ghost believers. They were ghost believers. They were not ghost busters. They were ghost believers. Because if it takes believing in the... It, oh, oh my God. The way the brain works, it, there's, there's certain lobes of the brain that, that whatever you feed it, it takes it and it stores it like a hard drive. And then when something quickens that element of the brain, it shoots out that information as your reality. Yeah. So they see someone coming, but because of what was processing their sight, they were troubled because what they saw was not nice. And what was processing their sight, the situation, the enemy, opposition, took advantage of that to now bring up to the forefront superstition and fear and say to them, look what you are seeing, oh, it's a ghost. So it showed them something, but the colors that the brain presented were different. Yeah. It gave them the wrong colors. The fear and superstition became the opsins, you know, that were feeding the brain. And so the color that was processed was wrong. But immediately, 27, Jesus spoke to them, saying, 
Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. What did Jesus do? Changed what information they were receiving by refocusing their sight. Yes. They had seen something, but you know, I started by telling you that what you see is not what you see. Yes. What you see is the outcome of what you saw. <laughs> oh, Mario, are you getting this thing? What you see is not what you saw. What you see is the, is the outcome after it has been processed. Yes. So, because some of us would have seen with a, with a different set of lens, I would have seen Jesus. They saw, ah, they were troubled. They saw a ghost. And you, there's, at that point, there's nothing you would have done to convince them that what yes. they were seeing yes. is not a ghost. Yes. Just like there's believers today, that there's nothing you will tell them that will convince them otherwise that what is happening is not happening. It's a question of how you're seeing, but particularly what is processing what you are seeing, not just what are you seeing, what is what 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 you are seeing is subject to. Does that make sense? Not just what you are seeing, but what what you are seeing is subject to what is acting on what you are seeing. What is processing what you're seeing is what is important. Keep going. Jesus now refocuses them and says, Hey, don't be afraid. That's wrong information. That's, you, you allowed your brain to process it. What your brain processed is wrong. Do not be afraid. It is I. Peter and I responded in 28 and said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you on the water. 29, Jesus says to him, come. And Peter had come. So Peter stepped out in faith. Down out of the boat, believing this new information from the different processing unit, he began to walk on the water to go to Jesus. 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, can you see? They saw wrongly. Jesus refocused their sight and said, hey, my friend, don't be afraid, it's me. He acted on faith of what he now, the outcome now that had been recorrected on what he saw, and he began to act. But then after that, he saw again. And when he saw Instead of doing the same thing that yeah. Jesus taught him to do by refocusing the processing of his sight, he allowed again natural circumstances. And my brother, when the wind was beating, the wave was beating, it was beating you know, yes. in real life. But the Spirit of God is saying to you today that no matter how real what is real is, yes. Yes. what is not seen is realer. If only you can see. So you are where you are as a direct reflection of what you have allowed what you see to be processed by. Yes. You are what you see. Yes. And so we can pray for peace. We can pray for, fe for, for fear to go. We can pray for healing. And all those things are great. Or we can pray for sight. Yes, sir. Or we can teach the believer in Christ to change how they see. Because what you say is a function of what you see. For you to say, I saw this. Your saying, I saw, is a function of what you saw. So the seeing is more crucial because it is what informs the saying. If believers can change how they see, what they see, and subject it to the right processing, then, excuse me, it will make all the difference in this season. 31. He cries out. Go back to 30. And afraid, beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. So he changed what he was subjecting because guess what? The writer tells us earlier that there were waves beating the boat. So the waves didn't arrive when Peter was walking on water. He says the wind was contrary. So they saw that, saw Jesus, we are afraid, we're troubled, and he said, it's a ghost. Jesus refocuses them. He comes out on water, walking in faith, but took away the processing of his sight, and he began to sink. And Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? What was Peter's doubt there? Peter didn't say, oh, look at the waves. Oh, look at the water. What was Peter's doubt in that context? He saw wrongly. The moment he shifted his sight from the processing of Jesus, his real reality took over 
and that created doubt. Now look at 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So again, what is all we are meant to see? Christ. Now somebody will say, oh, this Christ, 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 Christ. How do we see Christ? How do we see him physically? And the answer is simple. To see everything through the lens of Christ. That's how you see Christ. So it's not the epiphany of, <clears throat> I was praying, I was in a vision. The Lord now showed up on the wall of my room. I mean, eh, praise God for all them things. But man, sometimes even malaria can cause you to see some things. So you cannot, you cannot base your revelation of Christ on a physical epiphany that you saw yeah. or on a dream or vision. You base it on the standard of his word as revealed by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So how do you see him? You see him by looking at everything that's happening around you the way that he would look at it. That's when you're seeing Jesus. You look at a storm, then you saw that Jesus slept in the storm. Instantly, when a storm comes your way, and you, you remember that Jesus slept in a storm, and once you start to sleep in a storm, you have just seen Jesus in that storm. Yes, sir. They came and told that the guy is dead. Jesus said, no, he's sleeping. What was the difference? Different processing units. Sight wasn't different. Sight wasn't different. It was the, pro the information, yes. What acted on the sight is what was different. The brain, the emotions, the feelings acted on this person's sight. Saw somebody and said the person's dead. The spirit, who is resurrection and life, saw it and acted on it and said this person's sleeping. Let's go and wake him up. Same thing with Talita, Jairus' daughter. Said she's not dead. She's asleep. Why? Because what Jesus was subjecting his sight to was a higher processing power. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So what was feeding Jesus' sight was the brain of God, the feeder station of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. What was feeding these other guys, what, what they were seeing were the same. It's how they were seeing that was different. So we're looking at the news and we're seeing the stuff and we're seeing deaths and we're seeing infections and we're seeing new cases. What you're seeing is real. But through what are you seeing what you're seeing? What is the processing unit that's acting upon what you're seeing? That's how you see Christ. You see Christ when you see everything in the light of him. And that's the challenge, that's the encouragement in this season. That you begin to see Christ in everything. See, everything in the light of him. See, everything in the lens of him. Then, then you will respond the way he would. You would sleep the way he would. You will make declarations the way he would. Somebody said, why did Jesus cost the fig tree when he, the fig tree was not in season? Because Jesus was seen from a different point of view. As son of God, he did. There was no reason why any tree should not have fruit, whether it's in season or it's not in season. So Jesus was responding to his reality, which was superior to the reality of the fig tree, knowing that it is not a season for figs to, pro to be produced. But Jesus was not bound by that reality. If he was hungry and needed to eat figs, the tree should have figs. Or it's not a tree. Rather than Jesus... Reducing the value of his sight. Rather than him saying, oh, well, I understand though. It's not the season for figs. No. He enforces his sight on the tree. My friend, I, if I'm passing a fig tree and I'm hungry, a fig tree should have fruit. Or it's not a tree. Yes. If you're going through a storm and you're a believer, you should see Christ or you're blind. So he cost it. And ah, that was very harsh. No, he was exercising his superior processing power. 
We see everything in this is in the light of Christ. That's what makes us believers. That's why I said that this is the, this, this is the moment that separates men from boys. Because you are what you see. Why should we see Christ in the midst of the storm? Ah, Lord Jesus. Why should we see him in the midst of the storm? I've stimulated a lot in your, in your spirits tonight that, that begin to already cause you to refocus not what you're seeing because what is there is there. What is there is there. When you're broke, you're broke. You, you, there's no nothing spiritual about it. There's no money. There's no money. But how are you seeing the absence of money? That's the maturity God wants to teach us in this season. So we're not saying live in denial. We are saying, yes, you see what you see, but let the real brain process it. Let the real feeder station process it. Don't be like Peter. Don't be like the disciples. Don't. Jesus, they were hungry, and Jesus said to them, feed the disciples, feed them. And they were like, ah, even if we took 200 denarii worth of food, we can't feed those people. And so Jesus said that to see what they would do, for he himself already knew what he would do. Why? He was processing what he was seeing from a different perspective. But what they saw was the same. The people were hungry. They had been there for three days. They were hungry. So in this season, beautiful things that all you need to do is change how you're seeing. When you see the report on the news, when you get the report on social media, when you see all the memes and all the jokes and all the stuff that's flying around on WhatsApp and all that stuff, you are able to subject all of that to the processing of the Spirit of God and look at it the way Jesus will look at it. Will he see it as a difficulty? Will he see it as something that's here to kill you? Or, or like that storm as they were crossing the Sea of Tiberias, it says that and when he came upon the boat and suddenly they were at the other side. Such that the storm, it turns out, was released as an orchestration to speed up their journey to their destination. That's how Jesus saw it. How do you see the storm? How do you see where you are in your life? Are you giving credit to the devil? Or are you seeing Jesus? And therefore understanding that he causes all things, not some things, all things to work together. Or you're good. I'd like you to take a few, few seconds and just pray in the spirit. Just, just pray this in. We'll stop here for today and pick it up. Just pray. <clears throat> pray in the spirit for, it, for a, little, a little bit longer. Lembra, we submit our optics to you, Lord. We submit our optics to you. In this season, we submit our optics to you, Father. We submit our optics to you. We see the way you would have us see. We see the way you would have us see. We subject all we see to the processing of the Holy Spirit. We subject all we see, all the data we receive in this season, all the information we receive, and for the rest of our lives in the earth, all the all the sight, all the info that is fed in our sight. We choose to see the way you would. We see, choose to see through the lens of Jesus. We choose to see Jesus in the midst of it. We see Jesus. 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 Every other name fades away. Malos coprandira. Matuze prando kose briga duja hai. Hallelujah. This concludes Thank this you, message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.